Welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus with Rabbi Schneider. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and for the next half hour, we'll discover why we should always be expecting miracles when it comes to the Lord. Most of us know that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. But do you know the significance of that event? Well, today, Rabbi Schneider will explain the mystery of how the wine that was served represents our latter years. And if you'd like to take some notes on today's lesson from our series, The Mysteries in the Gospel of John, then be sure to download Rabbi's study guides online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And right now, beginning with a prayer, here is Rabbi Schneider. Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit in right now to minister to us, to strengthen us by your word for your glory. Sanctify us, Father. We wanna be a fragrant aroma to you, pleasing to King Jesus. We are continuing, friends, our study in the Gospel of John. We've been going really verse by verse. It's very important at times to preach this way because too often what people are getting is just a diet of the same food over and over again. It's like, you know, dessert is good, but you don't wanna just eat only dessert all the time, three meals a day, it's your whole meal. But sometimes in certain platforms today, that's all people seem to be getting is the same kind of diet with the same food over and over again. We need to take in the whole word of God and that's why it's beneficial to go through books of the Bible like I'm doing here with you as we're studying the Gospel of John. We are moving forward today in our study. This is season three. And we're moving forward in the second message in this season to John chapter two. On the third day, now this was just after John the Baptist had introduced Jesus to the world as the Messiah in chapter number one. Jesus had called his disciples, so his ministry was just beginning. He hadn't done any miracles yet in terms of big public miracles. He prophesied a word of knowledge and a word of discernment to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel was blown away. But this is his first public miracle that we're gonna read about here in John chapter two. Let's continue, John two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So let me make a few comments. Again, we're about to read of Jesus' first miracle. Notice that his first miracle was at a wedding. A wedding is a time of celebration, right? A wedding is to be a time of joy. I mean, those of you that have ever been to a Jewish wedding, you know Jewish weddings, they're all about celebration. Notice there was wine in the wedding. Wine in the scriptures is a symbol of earthly celebration. In fact, wine in the scriptures is the number one symbol of celebration. Jesus is at this time of celebration, this joyous occasion, and he's gonna turn, listen now, beloved, the water to wine. Let's continue on. Jesus then, he's gonna do the miracle. He does the miracle 
And everyone is really like, wow, this latter wine, this wine that is being served now later in the day, this is better than the first wine that was served to us. They were really flabbergasted by that because usually the custom was, you know what? You serve the good wine first. And if the good wine runs out, that's when you bring in the lesser quality wine because people will have already drank, they won't be able to tell the difference or maybe they won't even have an appetite for more wine. But in this case, it was completely different. The latter wine was better than the former wine. It kind of speaks to us of the fact that God's ways are higher than our ways even as the heavens are higher than the earth. So there's this thing going on. What's going on here? This is really, really different that the best wine is being served afterwards. Let's pick up the story. Verse number 10. They say to the host of the wedding, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. And listen to what the next verse says. This Beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to make a few more comments about this. So once again, it's an unusual phenomenon here that the best wine is being served last, totally unlike that which was normal for the culture. But I want to make a spiritual application here because John's gospel is the most profound and carries with it the deepest revelation of the kingdom of God in the spirit. And I want you to be encouraged by this word. Even as Jesus was involved in a miracle where the best wine was served last, which was completely different than normal progression of the natural life where the good wine was served first and the bad wine was served last, I want you to know, as you and I follow Jesus in our life, the best days of our life will be last. Listen to this. The way of the world, even as the way of the world is the good wine was served first, and then the bad wine or the lesser quality wine was served afterwards, so too the natural way in the world is that the best years of one's life are the earlier years of one's life, growing up as a child, experiencing life for the first time, experiencing your teenage years for the first time. The best years of one's life mankind normally thinks are his earlier years. And then when people start getting older, when they start aging, those become more difficult years. They think that there's not as much celebration anymore. You know, I won't be able to get around as I used to get around. I won't be able to go to as many places I once went to. But I want you to hear, beloved child of God, as you and I keep our eyes on Jesus, the best years of our life are going to be the latter years of our life. Even as the best wine was served last at the wedding, so too the best years of your life are going to be the latter years of your life. I want you to be encouraged by this. Don't be afraid of growing old. Last night, my wife Cynthia and I took a friend of ours out to eat. She's a Jewish lady. She's like a Jewish grandmother to, to so many people. Her name is Agnes. Agnes has been single her whole life, has never raised kids, but you know what? She's never regretted being single. She's never regretted not having children. Her whole adult life has been about Jesus since Jesus supernaturally healed her years and years ago of a physical illness and brought her into a relationship with himself. 
Since that time, she has been pursuing the Lord. And she's 88 years old, but every time I visit with her, it's like she's a brand new believer. She's constantly looking at herself. She's constantly repenting. She's constantly keeping journals of what God is doing in her life. She's constantly fresh at 88 years old. So last night when I was with her, I said to her, Agnes, I said, are you experiencing great peace in your life? And basically, here's this lady, you know, we have to help her in and out of the car. You know, if we're going long distances, we even have to wheel her at times, even though if it's a shorter distance, she can use a walker. But here's this lady, she's living alone. She has no children, okay? She's not able to do what she once did health-wise. And yet the days that she's living in now are the deepest most peaceful and fullest days of her life. Why? Because though the outer man is dying, listen, the inner man is being renewed day by day, and the best days for you, beloved, are gonna be the last days of your life as you keep your eyes on Jesus, even as the best wine here was saved to last. Father, I just speak up right now a prophetic declaration and a prophetic word over these that love you, especially these that are homebound, Father God, uh, these that are getting older or are afraid of getting old. I just declare over each and every one of them that your word says that neither life or death, things past, things present, or things to come can ever separate us from your love. And I declare confidence and peace, an increase of love and shalom over your people and Father, I ask you that you would give each one that's looking to you right now the confidence to know that, Father, the best days of their life are last because your words is that we're being renewed day by day and that we're going from strength to strength, from glory to glory, and from grace, hallelujah, to grace. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi Schneider will be right back to go beyond what you're hearing today and to connect with this ministry further, simply visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up to receive Rabbi's weekly Seeds of Revelation newsletter, which includes up-to-the-minute ministry news along with a powerful video devotional. Or if you prefer to connect by phone, call us today at 800-777-7835. At the core of everything we do at Discovering the Jewish Jesus is our commitment to declare the whole counsel of God's Word from start to finish. In fact, Rabbi's unique way of connecting the Old and the New Testaments has helped people all over the world to understand the Bible with fresh eyes. To join us in this work of God, give a donation online today at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. And now here is Rabbi Schneider. Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. Now, I want you to hear this. We often think of the glory of God. We sing about the glory of God. In fact, we read about God's glory all throughout Scripture. But I want you to hear me. Do you know that the most common way the scriptures, the Bible, 
associates God's glory is when there is a physical demonstration of his presence and power on earth. When we speak of the glory of God, we oftentimes just think of how great God is. But when the scriptures use the term, the glory of God, what the scriptures are most often referring to is that God's power was manifested in physical time and in physical space. So with that being said, let's look at this verse again. It's gonna say that this was the first of the signs. What is it? Jesus turned the water to wine. It was a supernatural manifestation of the power of God, of the invisible God, showing his power and his reality on planet Earth. So when the invisible God shows his greatness by doing something physically supernatural on planet Earth, his glory is revealed. So let me state it again. When the scripture speaks of the glory of God, the most common connection that scriptures make concerning the glory of God is when our invisible God has manifested his beauty and his power and his glory upon the earth. So notice with me as we read this. Verse 11, this the beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. So how did God show his glory by doing something supernatural that people witness. Listen to a few other examples of this concept that I'm sharing with you once again, that God's glory is manifest when he does a miracle. Let's take, for example, the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. This is when the Lord reveals himself to the Israelites at Mount Sinai 3,500 years ago. So what is happening? The glory of the Lord rested on top of the mountain. The people saw the fire, they saw the glory, they heard the thunder, they heard the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud, and to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like consuming fire on top of the mountain. And so once again, God's glory is being revealed. How is it being revealed? It's being revealed in a way that the sons of Israel sought. So I'm just simply making the point to help you understand. When you read the scriptures, look for the phenomenon of God making himself known through miracles and signs on planet Earth. In fact, John said that Jesus did so many miracles and so many signs that there were too many even to record in his gospel. I want you to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he reveals his glory by doing supernatural things in the lives of his children. You see, we need to believe, beloved, that our God is not just the God of yesterday, He's not just the God that we read about concerning, wow, it's really great what God did for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Isn't it great what God did for the people of Jesus' day? And we love studying the Bible and reading about what God did for his people long ago, but I want you to hear, our God is not just the God of long ago, and the same things that he did in the scriptures for his people, he's doing today because he's the same yesterday, beloved ones, today for you and forever. He's not just the God of yesterday. He's not just the God of tomorrow. You see, some people think that once they receive Jesus, the only thing left for them is to study the Bible and wait to die so they can meet him. But I want you to know, God is not just the God of tomorrow. He's also the God of today. Now in this world, we're not gonna see him fully, 
The Bible says we see him through a glass dimly, but let's not discount the fact that he's still doing miracles. He's still performing signs. He's still doing things, beloved ones, in the lives of his people. And if you pay careful attention and keep seeking him and keep seeking to obey him, I promise you, you're gonna see God's glory in your life. You're gonna see supernatural things happening, maybe a supernatural circumstance. Somebody calls you at just the right time. A door opens up for you when you weren't expecting it. Just pay attention. And when God does something supernatural, don't just strike it up to coincidence. Don't just say, wow, that was a miracle, and then forget about it. Write it down, and then meditate on it, and then focus on it, and thank God for it, and celebrate it. That way, when you're facing times in your life when it seems like nothing's happening, you can go back and remind yourself of those things that God has done for you, and it will encourage you to continue to move forward, to continue to move in faith, and to press on in Him for more. Well, that being said, I wanna move on now. I'm still in John chapter two, and we're switching gears a bit. We've been talking about the glory of God as Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding. And I wanna continue on and point out another Hebraic episode, another Hebraic incidence in the Gospel of John. Look in verse number 13 of chapter two. The Passover, the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Couple things. Notice here that Jesus celebrated the Passover. Not only did Jesus celebrate the Passover, Jesus celebrated all the feasts that God gave to Israel. So this is important because a lot of times Christians today have no appreciation for the fact that some of these feasts that the Lord gave Israel can be sources of spiritual blessing to them as Christians today, as those that have been grafted in, according to Ephesians, to the commonwealth of Israel. We're not under the law, but let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. All these feast days, beginning with Passover, beloved, listen, are shadows of what Father has done for us in Messiah Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the Passover Lamb. So I just wanted to point out here, Jesus celebrated Passover. He celebrated all the feasts. Let's continue on here. I want to press on to the term Jews here in verse number 13. It says, the Passover of the Jews was near. And as we study the term Jews in the Gospel of John, oftentimes the term Jews has kind of a negative connotation to it. In other words, the Jews were calling for Jesus to be crucified, etc. So as we look at that term Jews in the Gospel of John, it comes across as a negative term, and it could actually cause someone to become anti-Semitic, but I want you to hear me carefully, beloved ones, when I say this. When John uses the word Jews in his gospel, what he's specifically referring to is the Judean religious leadership. He's not speaking of the Jewish people in general because John himself was a Jew, Jesus is a Jew. The multitudes that followed him were Jews. The first church in Jerusalem were all Jews. So when John uses the word Jews, he's not talking about the Jewish people as a whole, but he's referring specifically to the religious leadership of the day that had formed all these rules and all these regulations and were keeping Jesus out. Well, I hope today that you've done two things, that you've gained a greater appreciation for the Jewish roots of your faith. And I also hope that you've learned, beloved, that as you age in life, your life will only get richer as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep believing Him and trusting Him for more. 
I trust that God is using this ministry to build you up in your faith, and I encourage you to take what you're learning and share it with others, and you'll be profitable in this world for the building of the kingdom of God. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, and this is the daily teaching program of Rabbi Schneider. To learn more about this program or to listen to this program again, just visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And while you're viewing our web pages, be sure to take a moment to explore our treasury of messianic content or check out all the ways that you can partner with us this year. To tell us more about that, Here is Rabbi once again. Beloved, as you know, this series is called Mysteries in the Gospel of John. One of the mysteries that we can see become a reality fully fleshed out in our life is when we offer to the Lord our finances. When we put God first in our finances, I want you to know He is faithful to perform a mystery by causing supernatural blessing to come back into our lives. You see, when we surrender our finances to God and honor Him with them, what happens is we open up a door, a channel of faith for Him to move through our lives. This is what Malachi 3 is all about. I want to encourage you, beloved. Don't be afraid. Put God first with your finances and it's going to come back to you like Jesus said, press down good measure and running over into your life. Thank you for your financial support. God bless you. I love you and shalom. To give a gift of any amount to support this ministry, visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or give us a call. One of our team members will be happy to take your call when you dial 800-777-7835. You can also send your donation in the mail when you write to us at Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. That's P.O. Box. 777 Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. We'll say thank you for partnering with us by sending you a monthly teaching CD or an audio download that's designed to speak truth, faith, and revelation into your life. And for those of you who are new monthly partners, we'll also send you an authentic shofar that's been handcrafted in Israel. And then if you would like to learn more about this ministry or Rabbi Schneider, let me invite you to visit us on your favorite social media platform. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and there you'll find insightful videos, our daily podcast, and so much more. So be sure to subscribe today. And you know, when we dive into the scriptures, you can learn so much about the roots and heritage of our faith. And we're gaining valuable insights into how the Old and New Testaments connect. As Rabbi likes to say, like a hand in a glove. And if Jesus celebrated specific times and seasons in the Bible, shouldn't we do the same? These feast days are annual feasts, and we just wrapped up the fall feast last week. But these special set-apart days, they're shadows of what Father God has done for us through Messiah. And so we hope you'll learn more about them. And then we hope you'll join us in the spring when the feasts begin again. But right now, let's close today's message with a special blessing from Rabbi Schneider. The ironic blessing in the book of Numbers chapter 6 is not a blessing that comes from an impersonal being out there somewhere in the heavens. This special blessing comes from a person, Yahweh God Almighty, 
our creator and maker. So receive God's blessing into your life right now. Yahweh, 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. If you'd like more information about Discovering the Jewish Jesus, visit our website at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. You'll find our broadcast schedule, teaching notes, and so much more. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Join us tomorrow when Rabbi Schneider explains what it means to be born again. That's coming up Tuesday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.